0: When the dice have been put away, but there's still more beer to drink, it's time for a postcast. In tonight's postcast, Laird and Scott talk about Strad von Zerovich, Gothic horror, epistolary novels, and the true meaning of beer. I've been meaning to talk to you uh, because I know you have a lot of strong opinions about Everything. D&D. <laughs> D&D in general. Mm. Ravenloft in particular. I think Strad Von Zerovich was he your boyfriend at some time? You, you, <laughs> you really uh, uh, I think, connect
1: um, with this stuff. You and I have a bit of a, a disconnect there because mm. again, I'll try to... I never played... Ravenloft in the traditional sense. No. So I never really, other than that short game that we ran, that you ran a couple years ago, Yeah, I never summer. encountered Strad in a game. I never played in Barovia in a
0: game. Okay, but yeah. back up. You said you never played it in a traditional sense.
1: Well, I played the Raven, that Ravenloft second ed advanced box set. Right. So we spent some time in, uh, is that Sithca? Soth's Domain. Oh, yeah. And I did read one of the Ravenloft novels. It was Aslan (laughs) and Strad. And I fell in Mm -hmm. love with the character Strad Uh, from the novel. Okay, there we go. Um, I also liked Aslan. I thought Aslan kicked some ass, too. Um, But uh, yeah, I never played it in the traditional sense. Like, I know you have a very. uh, (laughs) Like, your childhood was playing Castle Ravenloft (laughs) by by, by the sounds of it. Like, it sounds like everything you ever loved. Hmm. Is based around the map of Castle Ravenloft and folding it out, and looking at the 3D map and
0: <laughs> rubbing it on your schlong or whatever the fuck. It's it's pretty enticing, uh, and it, uh, despite the paper cuts, it's 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 a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the diary entry that I read from 1990 suggests to me that I was mad about Ravenloft. Around, well, around that time, obviously. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1983, but I was only nine years old, and I didn't discover D&D at all until I was at least 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, still pretty young for
1: d really. I suppose. Was, yeah. uh, something special about Ravenloft compared to the other um, d settings and, and um, adventure pads and stuff like that. I mean, they all have, like, the, the rod of seven parts has, like, this legendary status, and there's, like... Mm-hmm. The one where it's like journey to the mountain, where it's there's a spaceship or something. Like there's all those like legendary. Yep. That's um, the ex-
0: expedition to the barrier peaks. That's what I said. Exactly what I said. Yeah. Um,
1: but there's, uh, I mean, nothing beats Ravenloft for. I think even the cover of
0: the fucking thing. It's mm-hmm. Like,
1: that looks great.
0: Yeah, in fact, it was so good that they ripped it off. Castlevania, yeah. Castlevania 2, I think, in <laughs> yeah, the Japanese version. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Sorry,
1: I stole that from you. I apologize. No, <laughs> i jumped
0: i, I, I jumped in front of your words. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think e- even people who aren't as old as we are and didn't play D&D in the first edition, if you asked them to list some first edition adventures, they would say uh, Tomb of Horrors, Maybe the Temple of Elemental Evil mm-hmm. and Ravenloft. Those those ones have got to be the ones that have kind of stuck for the longest.
1: What's the one with the Demi-Lich in? Is that the Tomb of Horrors? Yeah. Yeah, that one sucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that came from uh, an even earlier phase of d ds existence when uh, players and DMs had a much more adversarial relationship. <laughs> it was it was a, a contest to see if, you know, can we survive Gary's new dungeon?
1: I uh, I played a game of um, Marvel Super Heroes. It was another TSR game. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to, I used to whatever, I guess DM is not the right word, but I used to run those games all the time. Yeah, And uh, one time my friend that I used to run through the games was like really desperate to learn to storytell or DM or GM or whatever. I said, yeah, man, play a game. Mm-hmm. And he spent the entire game trying to kill me like he was trying to win he just yeah he didn't get that he thought that he was defeating me all these times and I couldn't stop him kind of thing it was sure. really he just didn't quite get it,
0: mm-hmm. it funny. well and I remember a point in my dungeon mastering career uh, not it's not that I wanted to kill the players but I did want them to feel mortal and vulnerable and mm-hmm. You know, Ravenloft is especially good for that uh, because it plays into all of the gothic horror tropes that that make you feel like you're overwhelmed and surrounded by evil because, guess what, you are... I think that a lot of other modules can do that in instances, in moments, but it's not a pervasive feeling the way it is in Ravenloft.
1: I remember I read the uh, the Ravenloft books, that, that second edition box set thing I was telling you about, It was trying to explain gothic horror and and how to run the game. It was like, you know, your players will come across a lake, and in the lake is a woman bathing, and she's beautiful, and they get closer, and all of a sudden she turns around, and she goes, missing half her face, and she lunges Ah! at you. And that was the first time I'd ever, like, we'd we'd never tried to play a horror game up until that point. It was Mm -hmm. always just strictly Mm -hmm. man versus monster, Mm -hmm. fight, fight, fight kind of thing. So, um, Ravenwolf was the first... The the first stuff I played or played with that had any any level of subtlety <laughs> or or nuance to it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's only because I read it in the book, and I'd never never come up as an option before in my yeah, head. Yeah, didn't occur to you. I was, you know, I'm no I'm no playwright. Let's put it that way. So. It's it's
0: hard. It's hard to 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 generate a mood, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and even as a playwright, I, I, I am one of those as well. Uh, I recognize that when you're with a bunch of your buddies and you're drinking beer and you're not actually in a, an old haunted castle, you're just in somebody's basement, you know, generating that mood is not easy. It takes even more of that sort of collective suspension of disbelief that D&D does to begin with. So I think it's for at least journeymen, if not expert players,
1: you know yourself, whenever you're the DM, if you want your players in a situation where they feel scared and that you want them to run away or you want them to, mm. they will just fight to the death. <laughs> Unless, like, you make
0: them get yeah.
1: captured or whatever, you know yeah. what I
0: mean? Yeah, you've got you've to make it clear to them.
1: Yeah. And you yeah. got to get them on board, or yeah. otherwise you have to force mm-hmm. things. It
0: gets awkward. Well, and yeah. it's partly because, as you joked about in the game, uh we all, there's this tacit understanding, you know, despite the early days when DMs were trying to kill players, there's this tacit understanding that I'm not going to throw something at you that's way out of your level. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw something at you that you can't handle or don't have a chance to handle. Uh, or if I do, then I have to signal to you somehow that this is not something you're meant to fight.
1: Yeah, I remember, I can't remember it was the monstrous manual, I think, from 2nd from hmm. ed. Uh, I was reading about the Tarasque and it was... Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you're familiar with the Tarasque, obviously. Um, it was like, your players don't fight the Tarrasque. The Tarrasque is more like an like environmental yeah. force that they have to contend with. Like, maybe they try to distract it away from a village, or mm-hmm. or something like that. And any game that um, that I had witnessed that a Tarasque was involved in, which was two... <laughs> um, <laughs> The players just tried to fight it until they died. Like they just, mm. uh, it just whatever. It just doesn't clue in. Like they just mm-hmm. don't. They mm-hmm. don't get it. Well, uh, and that's but Ravenloft somehow mm. gives. It just feels like you know what my guy would be shitting his britches. Let's get him <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's the only game that ever made me feel that way. And I like even my players were like yeah, man, this sucks, let's get the fuck out of here, you know, mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, instead of just sitting there fighting until they're dead.
0: Yeah, I think even people who haven't read or seen much gothic horror still kind of understand yeah. through cultural osmosis that they're not, they're not playing the same roles mm-hmm. that they would be playing in a high fantasy situation. Yeah. Um, you know, most D and adventures owe more to Conan or um, Bafford and Gray Mauser, Fritz Lieber's excellent, <laughs> excellent stories. Jeez, uh, that's a deep dig for me. Um, <laughs> I'm on side of that. Oh, no, oh, I'll lend them to you. They're right. outstanding stories. Um, you know, or Tolkien, of course. Yeah, which well, that's,
1: that's which, what I'm always drawn yeah, back to. Is, yeah, um, I remember my my friend Jason, his dad. Uh, I was telling him about how, well, I was over there, I was telling Jason about d d how he played it, and holy fuck, I can't believe it, you can't wait to show it to you, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And his dad, I remember his dad's name was Ruben, <laughs> he was like, oh, that's just Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'd never heard of Lord of the Rings at that point. Oh, So, of course, then I read the books. And, uh-huh. uh, although, I, I did, he told me to start with The Hobbit, and that was a big mistake, because <laughs> all I did was I read I kept reading the songs that the dwarves kept singing because I assumed it would be important, and it was <laughs> eighty-five pages of dwarves singing. Sure, um, The Hobbit was not that good of a book. No. Just throw it out there. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure that if this gets any comments online, that I'll be torn apart. But it was mm-hmm. not a great read. It's not
0: super fun to read. It's a kid's book.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Hi, mm-hmm.
1: Cat, You're right.
0: And it has. It has elements of hype. It's got a dragon in it. Dragons it is are
1: cool. A fucking dragon. It's got a mm-hmm. magic ring. It's the first time like a magic ring is an sure. important part of D anD. D having a ring slot item is usually huge. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Especially if you got huge hands.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: Can I ever tell you about the Minotaur story? I don't think so. Uh, my friend Troy wanted to play a Minotaur uh, oh. really badly, and this is there was never any real like. You couldn't play special races really back then. It was, you, sure. get, you get the regular suite. Um, so we gave him Minotaur, and it, we used to play. And uh, whenever our characters would get hungry, we'd give them the Ring of Regeneration, and we'd cut steaks off them. Oh, we'd... shit. <laughs> ah. Ah. That's pretty good. We were at, like, when you're a kid, man, you suck. <laughs> that's, well, a, that's a stupid thing. But it reminds
0: me of uh, a place in uh, the Pathfinder setting uh, of Galarian. There's a city called Chimeraga, which is this anarchist city where all all the monsters go and interact with with the normal races. And anyway, there's this this little cult of troll oracles who will read your future by cutting their own bellies open and reading their entrails. <laughs> their own entrails, yeah. And what? then and then they regenerate.
1: Would their entrails just be the same all the time? I guess the re- the regeneration process. It's it's, be...
0: it's the way they fall out. Mm-hmm. Just like, that's how they do it in in ancient Rome, is you just cut open a goat, and then you you watch how their guts spill out, and, right. and that tells you things about the future. Well, I'm
1: not much of a diviner, I guess, so I've never learned the trade.
0: Yeah, you should really cut uh, things open more often. You'll, you'd be surprised. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> uh, huh. This is... This is why we're not friends, man. you got to lay off that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, references to the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I won't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, is this a good time to start talking about how cool The Mandalorian is? Uh, if you like. That's a good show. I'd like mm-hmm. to watch more of it. Sure. All right, back to D&D. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I like D&D too. Uh, D&D's fun times.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that, for me... I wasn't into gothic horror when I started playing Ravenloft, but I was getting into vampires. And I think that Strahd represented this ideal. You've complained about the stat type vampires, you've complained about. Pretty boy, yeah, or vampires like, that the th- fucking spend...
1: Lost Boys piss me off. Really, Superbad. Lost oh, that's Boys, a te- no less, dancing upside down on the ceiling. What the? F- <clears throat> danced on a ceiling. Sorry. You
0: misremember sure. the Lost Boys. Uh, I
1: just remember them being a bunch of punk ass bitches. They were punk,
0: and they were asses. But I don't think they were punk ass. I'm pretty
1: sure. Listen, I could have knocked them all out, and they were vampires. Listen, that's how much punk ass bitches they are.
0: Uh, hard disagree on the Lost Boys. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember the order of things. I probably didn't read Interview of the Vampire or the other Anne Rice books until after I'd played Ravenloft, but I I could have that mixed up, but Strahd was a more perfect vampire in my mind than any of those others, even more than Dracula, Mm. uh. I hadn't read the book Dracula by then either. So,
1: are you um you're you, you're a fan of the Bram Stoker Dracula? Yeah, Richard. yeah, I love the book. I didn't um I'm not much of a reader, uh, <laughs> but uh, I did read read Dracula, mm-hmm. and it didn't really come off as like the caped, mm-hmm. long fanged, oh, no. brooding castle guy, right? Like no. like you see in Ravenloft, and that's but when you think of a vampire, I always think of that yep. guy up in his tower. That's basically the fucking picture in the front of the Castlevania game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what I think about. Yeah. And I don't know if that's D&D, or did it just seep into the pop culture so hard?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, I don't it's, know. Uh, it started... I think the, the, the image that we have of Dracula, and by extension vampires, in our culture, comes primarily through Bela Lugosi in the universal right Dracula. he has a
1: big medallion on his yeah. chest yeah. yes yes i and, and the
0: all the there. aesthetics of the castle and so on mm-hmm. they that all uh coalesced with that one film there had been other vampire movies before that and of course there are many other takes on it afterwards but al- along with frankenstein same thing happened with with the the universal frankenstein even more so because now you almost can't talk about a Frankenstein without thinking about the big green guy with bolts in his bolts. neck. Yeah, 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 but
1: I think, like, I read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, mm-hmm. like, more as a lark. Like, it wasn't a serious read, but I just got the impression it was just like a, more like a patchwork zombie sitch. I didn't, I don't remember the bolts in the neck, and I don't nope. remember any, oh, okay, so it no. wasn't there, yeah. No,
0: there were no bolts in his neck, and, and he was, the creature was designed to be beautiful, um, but his proportions were all wrong, mm. and when he came to life, Victor was horrified by what he'd done. Um, so, so it's a little ambiguous in in Frankenstein, mm. and it's very ambiguous in Dracula because Dracula keeps changing shapes. Right. right? He's he's an old man in the castle. He's a young man in London. Uh, it's it's the the elements like the DNA. For our vision of Dracula, is in the book, but it's just a small part of what makes up this mm-hmm. this kind of patchwork. And the and the other thing about Dracula is that it's written from all of these different perspectives. It's written by it's, like missives, back yeah, and forth yeah, or yeah. It's yeah. called an epistolary novel. Oh, thanks. I You're
1: welcome. That, you know what? I wasn't going to be able to sleep tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah, can, now yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. Um, but but most of the people who are writing those accounts. Don't meet Dracula, or they don't meet him until almost the end of the book. Right. So, so it's an awful lot of like second and third hand reports, right? Which, which again, doesn't give you a clear impression, and that's probably part of the point. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's this it's kind of shadowy, mysterious. pervasive yeah. figure. That's you know, I'll I'll certainly try and do a lot of that with Strads uh, in the campaign. It's you know, it may be a while before you meet the guy. Uh, not to disappoint you, but oh, um, <laughs> I don't want to meet Stran anytime soon. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> your expression if you'd, yeah. if you'd opened up that trap door like, then he goes, <laughs> so up out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, That
1: reminded me of uh, remember that uh, that novel. Um, it's a uh, choose your own adventure from Ravenloft. I bought your daughter. Yeah. The first couple pages is about, oh, you walk into a room and there's Strad, what do you do? And if the, <laughs> the first thing says, attack, attack Strad, and you just die right away. Yeah, just, yeah, you're just yeah, defeated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's the way. But yeah, he checks all those boxes like he's got a cape. And he's got mm-hmm. the neck jewelry. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, yeah, turns into fucking mist. And he turns into fucking bats. And yeah. he can turn into a wolf. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. yeah. The, the Dracula is very, very strong mm-hmm. in Ravenloft. Um, it's... And even and I, I talked about this on uh, another fast cast with uh, with Gail uh, the use of the Vistani um, as as a uh, a cipher mm-hmm. for the Romani people that comes from Bram Stoker's Dracula as well he yeah, had well, he they, had Romani servants well that's he's
1: from like in the book Dracula the novel yeah it is in Transylvania is where he was right and that's yeah. they do have uh, Romani. Well, they got Romani everywhere. That's well. The sorry, that's, that's the, the whole point. point. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but there was like a very well, Eastern Europe mm-hmm. is like a yeah. hotbed for um, mm-hmm. the, the Romani folk.
0: But but it was it was that association I think that probably inspired the Hickmans when they wrote Ravenloft to include, and they just called them. They used the G word at first. They didn't use Vistani until second or third edition. Um,
1: it's uh, it's weird. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit off topic, but it never even occurred to me that the G word mm-hmm. was—I mean, it's not a racial slur, I guess, but yeah. it's a jingoist mm-hmm. or um, culturalist. I would call it an ethnic slur. Ethnic, yeah, yep. that's good. Yeah, it's so funny how the world
0: mm-hmm. is, eh? You just don't think well, things sometimes. I mean, all kinds of things that we said in the '80s or the '90s or the '00s. I mean, I just don't understand their culture enough to even sure talk about it. So sure. why would he, yeah? Well, and that's probably, that's problem, yeah. yeah, that's why we shouldn't go appropriating yeah. it for our stories, because uh, we really don't understand. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's all there is yeah. to it. Yeah,
0: well, that's it. Shut up about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I, I never really like gothic horror in general. Um, I don't, if you said, Laird, can you name five gothic horror stories? I'd be like, yep, mm-hmm. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I've drawn a blank. Probably Dracula. That's what,
0: that's what mm-hmm. I got. Yeah.
1: Like, uh, gothic horror seems like it's this huge, pervasive genre mm-hmm. with no content that mm-hmm. I'm aware of.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, and if I did start to list I the know other them, classics, yeah. you wouldn't... You no, and in
1: fact, them. I did one time read, kind of curiosity, here's a list of Gothic horror. And it was right. really Ooh, obscure what? stuff written yeah. in like the 16th, 17 1800s, yep. maybe? Yep.
0: The um, Monk, the Castle yeah. of Otranto. Yeah. Um, they're weird, you know. <laughs> they're, they're they're like the earliest ones are not what we now think of as gothic horror, but uh, it was even at the time really weird stuff. Mm-hmm. It was almost it was a, like a countercultural movement. Um, the romantic poets were doing their big thing at the time and so they were all flourishing and waxing Happy and whatever, yeah. getting all um, hot for flowers and and then in like real life, the Industrial Revolution was beginning, and the Enlightenment was going on. So there was all this scientific stuff, and and Gothic horror was like a return to something dark and well, Middle Age. You know, the 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 sort of the medieval version, just like those Gothic uh, churches mm-hmm. um, that that kind of made people uncomfortable because it came, it preceded all of that modern. Understanding of the world.
1: Yeah, no, I can dig that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a, like it's a genre that like we talk about like it's mainstream, but there's mm-hmm. literally no content that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's a few things that, mm-hmm. like, if you ask me about like, is like the Cthulhu mythos? Would you is that Gothic horror? They got like the investigator type guys mm-hmm. usually and stuff. Like, yeah. it's not right.
0: Well, it's it. It depends on who you ask. Uh, you know, yeah. if you ask an egghead academic English major... A pedant, you mean. A pedant, yeah. sure. Uh, then no, it's not, because gothic horror was written at a certain time, uh, you know, by certain authors. Um, but it's infused with elements of gothic mm-hmm. horror, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think anything... You can call anything that contains elements of the supernatural or the unexplained, uh, the uncanny, you know, this sort of icky sense that everything normal is somehow weird. Um, That's all part of gothic horror. It doesn't have to have vampires. Uh, Oh, it
1: helps, though. mm -hmm. Well, sure. sure. Why would you not?
0: Um, A lot of the early gothic horror stuff was about Satan. It's about Mm -hmm. the The devil. Uh, And so I think that in a way, the exorcist is a a much truer uh, um, inheritor of the gothic horror tradition. That's one of the more modern ones, for certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, that is. Cool. Uh, beer is pretty good, by the way. I like beer. We uh, could do a whole other podcast yeah, are you about drinking beer.
1: Drinking the uh, Breton Brewing one, the Kolsch? I might be. I might yeah. be drinking the Colch. Yeah, I got. Uh, I got this old speckled hen here, which I don't drink very often, but I do like it. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by
0: <laughs> beer. <laughs> podcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions. We're based in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Other participants have joined the podcast remotely using Zoom from Treaty 6 land, aka Alberta, as well as Seminole Territory, aka Florida. We're honored and grateful to live and work on native land. They're called First Nations for a reason. Our campaign is inspired by, and uses material from, both Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, and the Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. Special thanks to Laura and Tracy Hickman for writing I-6 Ravenloft, the module that started it all. Let us know what you think of us. You can find us at slackandslashpod.com. Or search us on Facebook or Twitter using the same phrase, slack and slash pod. All one word. If you like what we do, please rate or review us on the podcast platform where you found us. Until next time, thanks for listening. Be brave and shine bright.